Cavalier fans, and welcome to this edition of the Fear the Fro podcast following a holiday weekend, a weekend of thankfulness. And I did not podcast during Thanksgiving, mainly because we had two consecutive losses. I probably did have the time to do it, but quite frankly, that Miami loss hit me hard. It was a big poop sandwich, where I preferred to be eating leftover turkey sandwiches. And then the Lakers game happened, and yet again, in the fourth quarter, just some disgusting execution. But going out on a high note is what I like to do. Front running, that's more my style. So after the Cavaliers defeated the Toronto Raptors tonight, I said, yes, I'm going to pod. And just as a show of respect to our Canadian brethren, I'd like you to all stand and remove your hats for the performance of the Canadian National Anthem at the beginning of this episode of the Fear the Fro podcast. Now, I may have taken some liberties with the lyrics, but honestly, outside of maybe Justin Rowan, what Canadian is listening to this? Who's there to even be disrespected? If I fart on a tree that's falling down in the woods... Hold on now, this is going to be quite the degree of difficulty... Is there anybody there to hear it? No! Anyway, the Canadian National Anthem. Here goes. Oh, Canada, the Raptors still suck balls. Lived at the line, but still can't win with calls. Scotty Bumbling, DG Tristan owns them on the glass. Maxi took their dreams and he crushed their team, firing three bombs on their ass. Contract the swan. It's all Let me just fade this out, Cavalier fans. Big victory tonight against the Toronto Raptors, and there's a lot of things to discuss. First, the overarching story. This was not a weekend of thanks. No, not for me, anyway. Uh, All my football teams shit their pants, and then basketball was not going well with back-to-back losses, first to the Miami Heat, and not just any Miami Heat team. One which did not have Bam Adebayo, one which did not have Tyler Hero, and one which only required 10 points from Jimmy Butler in order to absolutely toast us. Eight guys in double figures, just not a game I even want to spend any time discussing. But to roll that forward into a Lakers game that was winnable, barring some terrible late-game execution by us in a monstrous second-half outing from Anthony Davis, and just like that, Two losses on the heels of the two best wins of the season, back-to-back. Boom. Nuggets, Sixers, riding high. Heat, Lakers, want to kill myself. But if Canada is good for one thing, aside from being the filming location of the show alone, it's drumming up the kind of arrogance and unchecked American pride that I only otherwise can summon when I travel to Europe and people tell me, no, it's totally normal not to have ice cubes in your drinks on a 105-degree day. 
Fuck you it is. Now I have to live off a diet of slushies, like a 12-year-old boy, except it cost me $2,000 to get over here. But there's plenty of time to hate Europeans later. Today is about our neighbors up north or our neighbors down south. If you happen to be orienting yourself using the NBA standings, because as of the close of this evening, the Cavaliers are in the play-in picture and the Raptors are in the lottery. One has a winning record. Hint, it's Cleveland. One has a losing record. It's the Raptors. Let's break it down. What did we see tonight? I'm going to break this into four parts. It goes like this. Big men, Max Struess, Darius Garland, and Scotty Barnes. But let's begin with the big men, because while all three of the guys in the big man mix tonight had their moments, let's start with the namesake, because Jared Allen is making his presence felt night in and night out. We are starting to get consistent fro impact. Now, I'm not going to ignore the Miami turd, in which our whole team was disgusting. But I think if you're honest with yourself, and you look back at the last week, knowing that we faced the two most recent MVPs, knowing that we faced... Anthony Davis, and uh, knowing that we faced a very solid Jakob Pertl. For Jared Allen to give us multiple 2010 games this week and shoot incredibly well, 9 of 10 from the floor tonight, to on the heels of a 9 of 12 outing against one of the best rim defenders in the NBA in Anthony Davis. And for those of you who watched the Lakers game, you know the play I'm talking about. But at one point in the game, Jared Allen dropped his shoulder into LeBron James then spun, turned, and dunked it with the other hand. There were multiple moments where Evan Mobley and Jared Allen took it right at LeBron James and Anthony Davis and converted and scored. And the confidence, the quickness with the big-to-big passing, I mean, he made some ridiculous just backdoor dive passes to Levert, to Struess over the course of this last week. And then tonight, with a minute 20 left, up by only two points, Sets a high pick and roll for Garland, gets the ball back at the free throw line, and immediately sees Evan sprinting down the baseline, throws it up, flushes it. Another big-to-big pass. Follows that off by catching a lob, or tipping one in, rather. Kind of a rub tip in. But four points in a critical stretch. Two that he created, and two that he finished, and that's the type of thing that cannot be discounted. Anyone who was here during the Zydrunas Ilgoskis era remembers that early in those games, they would intentionally run plays for Z to try to get him involved because if he got involved on offense, he would be more engaged on defense. In a lot of ways, I feel like the involvement of Jared Allen early, to me, I know he's always going to be engaged defensively. But getting Allen involved early always seems to spell great things for Darius Garland. And tonight, in a night where Garland feasted so much of it came because that early success of Jared Allen unlocked a lot of things in the mid-range around the rim for Garland that who knows if he would have gotten otherwise now I think some of that was game planning from the Raptors we'll get into that in a minute I don't want to touch on Garland just yet because I don't want to blow past Mobley tonight was not a night where Evan shined in terms of his shooting performance it wasn't great I mean he shot as poorly as Scotty Barnes did five for 14 from the floor from Mobley, but his impact was on the other end, where he was all over the rebounds, where he was all over the glass, altering shots. And again, that tandem together, for them to come out and give you 30 points and nearly 20 rebounds and six offensive rebounds and four blocks. How about Evan's second block tonight? Couple minutes left, Cavs up by five points. 
Scotty Barnes is on a runout where the only person between him and the rim is Evan Mobley. You knew what Scotty wanted to do. He wanted to hit Evan full speed, use his body to create some separation, and try and get the end one. Instead, Evan blocked the ball on the way up. It came back into Scotty's hands, who couldn't control possession of it, and fumbled it directly out of bounds. Cavs ball. That was part of a disastrous end-of-game sequence by Scotty Barnes. Now, we'll come back to that. But first, there's one more big man that we need to speak of tonight, and that's Tristan Thompson. Now, his box score doesn't scream impactful, but the thing you need to consider is this man played just seven minutes tonight. JB did not use him at all in the first half. And towards the end of the third quarter, with three minutes left, Tristan Thompson entered the game with the Cavaliers trailing the Raptors by three. It was 67-64. Now, before that man left the game, he had helped the Cavs run up a 12-point cushion shortly before exiting. And in that time, just seven minutes on the floor, Tristan Thompson accounted for four offensive rebounds, which led the team, and four assists. Now, two of those assists directly came from the offensive rebounds. He got an offensive board, found Yang, who faked a three-point shot, drove it in, got a layup at the rim, and he hit Karis LeVert for a three-point make. The other assists came off, you know, pick-and-roll stuff. But it was the toughness, the grit, the want more. When people talk about, oh, what does a vet bring to your team? If you could come up with a tangible stretch of minutes that would exemplify that, this was it tonight. Because it's not as if Jared Allen and Evan Mobley were playing bad basketball. There was some serious risk with that. He took Mobley and Allen both off the floor. If they had blown it open at that point, that would have been one of those things people point to and say, this man doesn't know what the fuck he's doing. He put a guy in the game who didn't play at all in the first half. And he took both of our bigs off the floor. And it's not like Pirtle is an easy big to deal with. That man was exceptional tonight. He was the high point, as far as I'm concerned, for that team. Because over the course of the game, he missed just one shot too. He was 8 of 9 from the floor. 18 and 13 with four offensive rebounds of his own. So tip your cap to Jakob Pirtle. But also, I mean, as much as I have my criticisms of JB, he deserves credit for identifying something that Tristan had to offer and for Tristan providing that when he actually got out there on the floor. Now, to Darius Garland. When I saw at the beginning of this game that Scotty Barnes drew the Darius Garland defensive assignment, I was ecstatic. It's not like we blew things open out of the gate, but you could tell immediately that they were putting him in these high pick and rolls and Scotty Barnes... He didn't want to go under, obviously. You don't want to do that on a shooter like Darius Garland. But going over was pointless. Pointless. They should have been bringing the second guy up to hard hedge because, I mean, the way that the Lakers threw two guys at Donovan Mitchell, that's what they needed to be doing with Darius Garland because he was eating Barnes up. He wasn't just getting a step behind Darius Garland. He was getting a step and a half, two steps. To the point where he was so far behind him, he couldn't even alter shots from behind. Like, sometimes Karras will do that. He'll let a guy go over the screen, and then he'll try to come from behind and get the block from behind. Craig Porter Jr. has done it a handful of times. I had no fear. Outside of one time, he stripped the ball from Darius Garland. Darius Garland's five turnovers, they were not due to Scotty Barnes. One was due to Scotty Barnes. All the others were with different people defending him. All you have to do is look at Garland's impact on that first half and realize how much of that was while Barnes was on the floor. And that's a huge part of the reason why Scotty Barnes had the worst plus-minus in the entire game tonight. He was a minus 20. Every other Raptor starter was positive. 
So for the fourth time in six games, Darius Garland has topped 20 points, and his efficiency has ticked up noticeably. He started the season rough. There's no way around that. But if you look at his last several games, he has now topped 50% shooting in four of his last six games. And you can't really say much about the Lakers game because he had to lead that game early with an injury. So he only took six shots. If he'd been able to play through, who knows how that would have ended. But now we've got a 28-point game, a 26-point game, a 32-point game, a 24-point game, and all of those games pretty damn efficient from the floor. Over those last six, it's 52-42-83 splits. Now the turnovers are still a concern, but I will absolutely overlook that tonight because with a minute left in the game, Darius Garland first got around Barnes to throw a lob over the top to Allen, and then on the very next possession... He took him to the rim, scored on him with a layup. That gave the Cavs a four-point possession, turned it into a must-foul situation. It essentially ended the game. And that was with Barnes on our boy DG. It felt extra good, especially after last year when Gary Trent Jr. tried to poke Darius's eyes out. So we've talked about the bigs. We've talked about Darius. We've talked about Barnes's troubles. We haven't talked about the man of the evening, though, because this game could have easily gotten away from us. An 18-0 run is ridiculous. That If I told you there was a game where we gave up 18 points uninterrupted, I think most people, without knowing anything else, would assume that's a loss. We scored 70 points in the first half against the Lakers versus just 42 in this game. 17 points in the second quarter. Found ourselves down by double digits. But whatever happened at halftime, I don't know what Max Struess did. But in the first half, the man was virtually non-existent. He missed every shot he took from the floor. He didn't have a single point. And while he had some rebounds, basically, he was not doing anything. And then he came out in the third quarter and went absolutely ballistic. Zero points in the first half, 20 points in the third quarter. 0 for 3 in the first half, a perfect 4 for 4 from three-point land in the third quarter. 8 for 10 from the floor. 20 points and 4 rebounds in the third quarter alone, second only to Karis LeVert's explosion in Indiana where he scored 22 points in the first quarter. Now, because Karis LeVert scored 22 against the Indiana, it makes it seem slightly less special. But just to put this in context for you, 14 men have done it this season. They've scored 20 or more points. In one quarter. The season high is Joel Embiid with 29. But of those 14 men, only three guys on that list make less than $20 million a year. Two of them are Karis LeVert and Max Struess. The third one is Lonzo Ball, who's still on his rookie deal. Everybody else is an all-NBA level player. Embiid, Halliburton, Giannis, Paul George, De'Aaron Fox, Trey Young, Jason Tatum. Now that takes nothing away from the other guys, but... For two role players, quote-unquote, on the Cavaliers to have done that in a season, it's a pretty impressive individual accomplishment. And yet again, when the game concludes, we're looking at a stuff-the-stat-sheet performance from Max Struess, who contributed 20 points, 11 rebounds, and 5 assists. Not to mention, in that third quarter he was so good in, he had a block shot as well. Now, I thought one disappointing development was that Craig Porter Jr. didn't make his way onto the floor tonight. He got the DMPCD after a week of just very good performances, double digits for five straight games, hasn't fallen below 50% from the floor during that time. And even though we lost the Lakers game, I thought he was pretty good. He made his first five baskets uninterrupted, hit a ridiculous step-back three-pointer over Austin Reeves, and backed him down in the paint. 
And while Reeves had moments of his own, uh, with the way that Donovan Mitchell was struggling tonight, I got to say, I was a bit surprised that JB leaned very heavily on just seven guys. He got only spot minutes from Thompson and Okoro, but it was basically the starters, Levert and Yang, most of the way. So perhaps a situation to monitor because he did make comments indicating that he'd played well enough to secure a spot in the rotation. So I guess we'll see. We've got a couple of turds coming up, so there's a good chance we blow those games open with the Trailblazers and the Pistons, and maybe our boy will get extended run just as an outcome of that. But a a great Cavalier win. Very satisfying. I did actually make a song after the Cavaliers defeated the fraudulent MVP Joel Embiid. I made a video as well. I posted it to the YouTube page. But I didn't do a podcast, so you haven't got to hear this one yet. So I'm going to wrap up tonight's podcast by playing you a song which is no longer timely, but it will always be topical because Joel Embiid is a flopping maniac. So I leave you with my thanks and gratitude for being listeners of the Fear the Fro podcast, my sincere appreciation for the reviews, for the subs, and for the continued love of Cavalier basketball and hatred of Joel Embiid. Here you go. Goodbye. He read the rules just to exploit them. A doctor note that tells him to fall down. Now you pay close attention, really watch him graft. A ref baiting and flopping, flailing piece of shit. Hey yo, I know everybody has seen this before. There goes Joel diving on the floor. And it isn't competition he's fishing for. Flailing, fall down, cry some more. Game is never in a rhythm as whistles pour. These refs are just enabling flopping more. The dive decisions, moving screen attacks. No heart, no pride, no shame this guy. Not fro though, he doesn't need an excuse. And beads exposed when we do what we're supposed to do. It's obvious, they thought that we would fall. 34 freebies and we won despite it all. We got a first-class rookie, Craig Porter Jr., killing it. Cookies! Man of dunkery, MVP flunkery. Enjoy the free throws, Embiid. Poof. <laughs> There's an out. He read the rules just to exploit them. A doctor note that tells him to fall down. Now you pay close attention, really watch him graft. A rep baiting and flopping, flailing piece of shit. Every single person sees it coming, every single time he has the ball, no matter how little you touch him, 300 pounds takes a fall. A little bitch boy. Man's game, bitch. A little bitch boy. How you like that, bitch? A little bitch boy.